Teaching is one of the central practices of scholarly life. However, in some contexts, teaching acquires a greater centrality than in others. How can one emphasize teaching for a successful academic life, not only in the classroom, but also outside of it? About this and many other fascinating questions is this conversation with Victor Garcia Perdomo in the new episode of El Café Latinx. What is the experience of being a Latinx or Latin American scholar in the field of communication and media studies? What are the main challenges and opportunities that come with our identities? These are the issues that we'll talk about in El Café Latinx, where some of the leading voices in the field will share their professional experiences. Hola, my name is Pablo Wojcicki. I teach at Northwestern University, where I hold the Hamid bin Khalif Al Thani Chair in Communication. Together with Mora Matassi, doctoral student at Northwestern and executive producer of this podcast, we invite you to discover the journeys of scholars who are at the cutting edge of creating knowledge about Latinx or Latin American communities across the Americas. These are our stories. Esas son nuestras historias. Estas son nuestras historias. Welcome everybody to this new episode of El Café Latinx. I'm thrilled to have with me today my dear friend and colleague, Victor Garcia Perdomo. Victor is Associate Professor at Universidad de La Sabana in Bogota, Colombia. Um, he is one of the leading experts in digital journalism in the Latin American region and has published very, very widely in the top journals of the field. Uh, Victor is also a, a newsroom veteran uh, for many years, 14 years actually. Um, he worked in newsrooms in the region. Um, before and after that time as a journalist, um, he started his career in academia. He got his bachelor's at Universidad de La Sabana in journalism and communication, the place where he teaches, and then got two graduate degrees from the University of Texas at Austin master's degree in Latin American studies and a doctoral degree in journalism where he was advised by the legendary Steve Rees. Uh, Victor, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you for your generosity with us. Oh, my pleasure, my friend. So, so tell us, how did it all begin? That is, how was the start of the journey that led you to become a professor? Well, I, I studied journalism as an undergrad. Uh, once I finished my studies, I started working as a professional journalist at a very young age at the Spectator newspaper. It was a, a very difficult time, very dark time for Colombia. Uh, journalism was important for our weak democracy. Um, the director of El Espectador had recently been killed by Pablo Escobar. And we felt uh, as young journalists, his brave spirit in the newsroom. So I started working as a crime reporter and I got somehow tired of covering violence events. And uh, at some point I asked my bosses to transfer me to the international section. Um, there, like, cutting and pasting cables, I realized how international news agencies uh, set the agenda for Colombian and Latin American media. 
And I could see the lack of knowledge about Latin American history and society um, and how that somehow as a journalist affect me to, to produce information about the region. So I went to UT Austin to get my master's degree on Latin American studies with the emphasis in history. And in UT Austin, the Department of Spanish and Portuguese asked me to be a TA. I never thought uh, I could be a professor because I'd love to be a journalist, but I began to like to teaching and interacting with the students. And once I finished my master, I went to Univision Miami as a journalist again for five years. But when I came back to Colombia, I started lecturing some classes for La Savannah University. And a year after La, that, La Savannah asked me to join them as a professor. And everything started there. Um, my journey in the academic work. Now, to be honest, uh, I was teaching studies, uh, students on how to report, but it was not an academic, uh, I, I wasn't an academic researcher, researcher, so I became one of the, one of the professors for the journalist department, but uh, then I decided to get my PhD from the University of Texas at Austin, and then, I started my career as a academic researcher. Okay, so, so we went back and forth between the world of practice and the world of uh, research and teaching. Um, how did your work as a journalist change, if at all, at Univision after you got your degree at Texas Austin? How, how did that change, if, if it changed indeed? Yeah, it changed, it changed a lot because uh, I was most conscious about the history of Latin America. I was hired to write news about Latin America. And even though we have access to, to different um, cables and, and news agencies, um, what I tried to do was to um, um, contact directly uh, the, the sources of information in Latin America to try to uh, provide different information um, to our readers uh, in, in Univision. And I was more conscious about the fact that, uh, uh, I was most conscious about the history of Latin America and try to uh, provide uh, usually a different perspective. Uh, that kind of, that's, that's an advantage uh, somehow, but when you're working as a journalist and you have to report quickly on, on events, Sometimes it's, it's difficult to explain to your, to your colleagues that uh, you have to take that extra step in order to work for better. Okay, and, and how did the environment in the newsroom in Miami compare to what you had experienced as a journalist in, in Bogota? It was completely different. And, uh, and to tell you the truth, it was uh, a little bit hard for me because uh, we were working as an, uh, I, I, back in, in Bogota, I was working as a, as, a, as a traditional journalist for a newspaper. And then we started working in Univision as, a, as an online journalist. So there was a, a different approach and different perspective regarding the news. Uh, even the news production and news practices um, were different um, because of the immediacy of the, of the online production practices. Um, 
but it was also different because somehow um, when I was in El Espectador, I felt like we were part of something really important, you know? Like we were, even though we were very young uh, reporters, we were part of something really important uh, for democracy and for the future of the country. Well, in Univision, it was a little bit different because it was a mix, you know, between entertainment, uh, reaching audiences uh, at, at a very fast pace. So it was it, it was it was difficult, and it was uh, it was it changed my perspective also about um, different kinds of journalists in different kind of journalism in different parts of the world, different kind of approaches depending their platforms or depending the practices. Um, so it was enriching, but at the same time, it was completely different, completely different. Okay. And some of the difference had to do with the platform, print versus online, and some had to do with the country and the period also, right? Um, Definitely. Mm -hmm. So after Univision, you went back uh, to Bogotá and you started teaching at Universidad de La Sabana. You mm -hmm. Yes, as a lecturer, but actually I started working for Terra Networks. It was a beautiful project uh, from Telefónica and they have uh, something called Terra TV, which was supposed to be a project across uh, Latin America and, and Spain. And uh, I was in charge of, of, the, of Terra TV in Bogota, Venezuela, and Ecuador. And it, it was a beautiful project and, and, and everything, um, everything was like um, bright for the video at that point, but the project didn't actually have a good business model. So at the end, um, everything went down. But I started, uh, I started teaching as a lecturer here in La Sabana University. And before that happened, uh, La Universidad de La Sabana asked me to join their, their professor staff. Okay. Now, what year or years were that? You know, when was that you were working for Terra, for Terra Networks, Terra TV? I worked for Terra TV from 2006 to 2008. And uh, okay. then, yeah, during a year, I combined the two jobs, uh, lecturing here in La Sabana. Uh, working as a director of Terra TV for Colombia. Uh, but then La Sabana University asked me to, you know, to, to actually be a professor and, and I started my career as an academic. Okay. Now you are teaching at the Universidad de La Sabana and when and, 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 and how you decide to go for a doctoral program and why UT Austin? Well, things uh, things were changing very fast in Latin America, uh, in the sense that uh, before a professor, uh, particularly a professor in communication and journalism, didn't not, didn't need to be a, a PhD, right? Um, it's it's not like in the U.S. where you do need to be wanting to teach as a professor, as a full professor in a in a university, you have to have a PhD. But we, you know, the university um, started to see some changes. They, they wanted to, to become uh, an important university in the, in the region. 
and uh, and also um, we could see some changes in, in particular in Mexico and in Ecuador uh, where governments asked directly to professors to uh, have the PhD in order to teach uh, some food professors in universities. Um, and, uh, and I started working on some research project and I started to like it. Uh, so, so it was a combination uh, between uh, the institution or the organization wanted to improve uh, the knowledge of their professors and advance uh, regionally. And, uh, and a personal interest for research uh, because it was completely different from you know, writing uh, for, for a website or writing for a newspaper. Um, but I started to like it in the sense that uh, at the end of the day, um, it's, just, it's writing, you know, it's, you have to write. And, and, uh, and I started to like it, uh, you know, writing things uh, in more depth. And, uh, and produce something that was a little bit more significant, that, you know, news that go, uh, news that just last for, for a few hours or a few minutes. Okay, and why UT Austin? And did you apply to one place, to more than one place? How was, and did you consider also going to Europe or you wanted to go to the US? No, definitely I wanted to go to the U.S. because of my previous training as a master's uh, in, in UT Austin. I applied to different universities, um, but so I wanted to go back to UT Austin because I, I follow ISOCH, the International Symposium of Online Journalism, and uh, I was uh, very close with uh, Rosenthal Alves, um, so every time I, you know, because I was uh, uh, teaching uh, online journalism and uh, some, somehow practicing online journalism, I always uh, like to go to this uh, symposium to, to get new ideas, to see what uh, practitioners and the universities uh, were doing about uh, uh, these, these disruptions, these digital disruptions. So I was very close to um, to this uh, this symposium, this international symposium of online journalism. I'm very close to Rosenthal Alves. So I started, you know, uh, talking to Rosenthal about the possibility of getting my my PhD, and uh, and it was because of his his advice that I I decided finally to go to to UT Austin. So you went back there. I went back there. Um, uh, I finished my master program in 2000, and then I came back to UT Austin in 2013, which you know, so, you know, 13, 13 years had passed since since I, I did my master's degree. So it was uh, um, exciting, but at the same time, it was kind of scary because it was you know I, I knew how difficult. It was for me to get the masters, uh, particularly uh, focusing on history, and I knew that uh, journalism and communication in general is very, is very tough. So um, it was it was exciting, but at the same time scary. I I got a, a Fulbright fellow, um, so it, it was it, it was it, it was a great opportunity for me, but at the same time it was scary. Okay, um, and. 
as an international student from Latin America, how how was your experience, your personal experience and um, your student experience at, at UT Austin, both times, but in particular the PhD, which is much longer? Yeah, no, it was a great experience. I don't know if it is because of UT Austin or because of Austin, that it's, it's a little bit different from the Texas uh, context. And from other regions, uh, Austin is a little bit more liberal, um, a little bit more uh, global in the sense that uh, the university has like 55,000 55, students uh, from different regions. Uh, so it was it was a great environment, and uh, and the communication department, uh, uh, our cohort uh, was uh, we have people from everywhere. Uh, so um, it was an incredible experience, and, and, and I really enjoy Austin, Texas, and and the, the university itself, uh, the great opportunities that it offers. So it was a great experience for me and for my family. And uh, and I don't regret it because um, I love the weather, the music, the food, everything about Austin. I love Austin. Austin is, is one of my favorite cities in the world. Excellent. And did you were you set on going back to Colombia, or did you consider staying in the U.S.? How was that process? No, I always I always thought about going back to Colombia. Because one of the things is that even though I got a Fulbright, uh, the University of La Sabana, they support my application. You know, uh, they support uh, part of the part of the expenses uh, of my family. So, um, so it was uh, it was something that the organization uh, wanted for me, and at the same time, I want to 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 give back to the organization that you know support me support me during this time of my PhD program. So right from the beginning it was very clear for me that at some point I have to go back. And uh, and I didn't I didn't hesitate about uh, uh, coming back to Colombia and continuing my career here as a professor. Okay. Um, and you know, not many people, uh, or not everybody at least, um, listening uh, to this podcast might, might know the differences or the particularities of an academic career in a place like Colombia versus the typical case in the US. So um, could you tell us a little bit about, you know, you know your, your, your uh, faculty experience, you know, how many classes you teach, what kinds of students, um, what's the, the kind of you know, institutional commitment uh, to the organization, uh, etc. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm teaching two classes um, uh, per semester, and uh, usually my responsibilities go uh, with uh, graduate students, uh, but sometimes I, I teach uh, undergrads. Um, most of my responsibilities um, are around research uh, and administration. So that administration, it's it's one of the one of the difficult things for professors. Uh, but it, I mean, it's also a great opportunity to take decisions and and advance in the right direction. So 
I'm grateful for the opportunity, but uh, what, what if 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 uh, if, if, it, if it was uh, something that I have to decide in the future, I probably uh, will focus a little bit more on research. Uh, but uh, the administration part is also very important here uh, in Colombia, and, uh, and it's something that professors uh, need to learn how to do. Uh, in order to advance the institution in the right direction. So it's kind of uh, uh, complex and at the same time, uh, a great opportunity. Okay, so when you talk to your colleagues uh, and friends who work in universities in the States and, and you compare notes, do you think you spend more time on administration than most of them do? Uh, more time on on teaching it you said you're teaching two classes teach two classes every semester or you teach two one semester by different number another semester no at least two every semester yeah at least two classes every semester uh, i think that it depends on the university you know in the u.s there uh, because it's a it's a huge country there are a lot of uh, institutions and there is diverse diversity in institutions so it depends on the university but some of my colleagues who are in what you call R1 institutions or research one institutions, um, I believe they have less less administrative responsibilities and they focus more on research. And somehow faculty uh, tries to, or, or the directors of faculty try to uh, protect uh, Professor who are at the beginning of their career in order for them to advance uh, in their in their professoral career. Um, so th that's a little bit different from from the approach uh, here in Colombia. Um, and and then as far as teaching, I believe that it is a very important aspect uh, of of the profession. So some uh, one of the things that I notice in the U.S. is that. Um, somehow teaching has become like a, a complement or, or something that uh, that is not at the core of the university life. And, and I believe that's the wrong approach because you have, as a professor, you need to, um, of course, do research, um, but at the same time, um, use that knowledge and transfer that knowledge to the students, um, even undergrads. So and wh why do you think um, research, um, or put this way, teaching in, in many universities, in particular research one universities in the, in the US um, is seen as less central than in place like Universidad de La Sabana, for instance, in, in Colombia? It, it has a lot of, um, uh, a lot of, uh, possible answers, but one of them is that um, students are at the center of the university in the sense that it's not only knowledge, it's not only professors who actually made the university, but the students are at the center of the, of the university life. Uh, so that's a kind of different approach. And then um, universities here in, in Colombia depend openly on, on the on the admissions. Uh, so if, if the number of students, it, it depends on the number of students, uh, the business, the main core of the business depends on the number of students, the students uh, who 
gone to uh, to uh, to the programs um, in the in some U.S. universities. It's more about the money that you can bring as a researcher or the money that you can bring uh, with different alliances and organizations. So the the business model is a little bit different, and uh, and uh, and uh, there are other uh, sources of of uh, economic support in the U.S. universities that have been developed through the years. Uh, we are not in that in that place here in Colombia. We depend not only um, from from the students, and uh, at the same time, it's a decision to put the student at the center of the university. Okay. Now, switching from your um, experience in Colombia to your experience as a Colombian uh, in the international settings, um, you have published very widely um, in English-speaking language uh, journals. Um, you, most of your research has dealt, almost all of it, if, I, if I'm correct, with uh, phenomena uh, that take place in Latin America or in the Americas, but usually with a Latin American component. And uh, your data come from the region. What has been your experience in, you know, in the publication and in the post-publication citations, etc., in, in that process? Again, personal, and then when you compare notes with colleagues who uh, are in different parts of the world and uh, publish about different parts of the world. Yeah, it's it's kind of difficult to publish, uh, for instance, about Colombia, and I guess it's the same experience of um, scholars who are in the periphery, periphery uh, or you know, not in the center of um, of academic uh, production in the what we call the global north. Um, so it's it's difficult to it's difficult for some journals and editors to see the value of something that comes from Colombia. That's actually changing, right? That's that's changing. Uh, that's changing somehow. Um, in some journals and some journals and editors are more conscious about the need of uh, diversity in the field, uh, but it continues to be difficult you know, to, uh, to uh, publish something about Colombia in a very important journal because of the, of the idea that uh, readers, common readers are not going to understand or are not going to get interest in that particular kind of research. Um, and I think even though this is changing, um, we have somehow to justify ourselves uh, with different um, techniques, such as context or global, um, global trends, um, why our, our research is important for the, for the for the global not so somehow um, always that I try to publish also reviewers ask for more context, reviewers ask for more um, information about why this is important, why I, I mean I have um, sometimes specific sections on why Colombia or why media in Colombia or why I'm talking about Colombia. Um, so it's something that uh, I believe that you, in your your last um, editorial and 
special issue about Latin America uh, explained really well, you know, because it's like uh, we have somehow to justify our context um, as if uh, we were exceptional, we were um, we were different, um, but somebody who's uh, writing from Amsterdam uh, or from uh, a small town in the US, they don't need to justify anything or justify why you selected Denver, why you're talking about Newt Austin, why you're talking about Austin, Texas. Um, so it's kind of, uh, that's disparity that I can see when I try to publish. Do you experience a related kind of disparity when you share your work at international conferences, when you attend conferences, um, you know, even social events at conferences, or uh, is that more confined uh, to the publication process? Conferences are becoming tough. Uh, I could, I, I cannot say that, I cannot uh, say that uh, there is a particular or specific uh, treatment to people who talk about Colombia or Latin America uh, in conference because conferences are becoming kind of tricky in the sense that uh, the audiences for the, the, the size of the conference is so big that the size of the audience is every time, every, every time I go smaller and smaller. So um, even though um, sometimes I feel like um, there are some topics that are more relevant than others, um, in conference in particular, you haven't seen that or felt that in particular. Okay, okay. And um, if, if you had magical powers, okay, and and could be granted one wish about how you'd like the field of communication and media studies to change. What would you wish for? Uh, probably a wish for a more inclusive field of communication and media studies, because we can see the dominance of knowledge in some specific places, mainly in the North America and Europe. Latin America in this context is still in the periphery a more inclusive field would allow scholars to make key transnational and historical connections. And, uh, and I would wish that uh, probably there is uh, more historical context in communication that opens uh, some concerns regarding the future uh, transformation of the field. So um, the, the, the fact that there is this lack of historical context in communication um, it's something that we need to work probably a little bit more um, to ensure the future of the field. Because right now, um, every time I add context or add historical context to a paper, it seems to be like something that is not related to the paper. Like it's something that you have to take actually out of the paper because it could um, be actually a potential problem with reviewers. And, um, and if you don't provide this, this historical context or you don't, you don't try to be inclusive 
uh, with what other scholars are doing around the world. It's going to be very difficult to understand and compare. And it is in the comparison of different media systems, or it's in the comparison of how different communities implement technologies and adopt technologies that we can actually find patterns and provide um, a little bit more knowledge for the field. Okay. Thank you very much, Victor. This has been a very, very enlightening conversation. I greatly appreciate your taking time and sharing your knowledge and experiences with us. And uh, thank you all the listeners for staying with us through the end. And I invite you to the next episode of El Café Latinx. Thank you very much for inviting me. It was great. Thank you, Pablo. El Café Latinx is a production of the Center for Latinx Digital Media in the Department of Communication Studies at Northwestern University. I am Pablo Wojcicki, your host, and I'm joined by executive producer Mora Matassi.